I'm John Banther, and this is Classical Breakdown. From Classical WETA in Washington, we take you behind the music. In this episode, the Abeo String Quartet gives a performance of a new work by Alistair Coleman called Moonshot. Alistair talks about the inspiration for this new work, and after the performance, we talk with the Abeo Quartet about putting this piece together, new playing techniques, and space travel. They're an award-winning quartet made up of students from Juilliard, and they're already touring internationally. Welcome back, Alistair. It's always great to have you here, but you aren't alone this time. It looks like you've brought some backup. Who is this? I certainly have. This is the Abeo Quartet, uh, comprised of some of my friends from Juilliard who are coming to D.C. to play a piece of mine at the new Glenstone Museum. And what I'm really excited for, because in this episode, we're going to be hearing a new piece that you just wrote for String Quartet called Moonshot. Right. Yeah, it was commissioned by the Glenstone Museum. It started from my first visit to Glenstone um, just about a year ago. You know, being in that space, I was struck by the art. And, and, you know, coming from a musician, I didn't really have much of a connection to visual art. But coming to Glenstone, I was really struck not only by the art, but just also the way through which it is presented. You know, the architecture is just so beautiful and these natural surroundings that they have intentionally created is just, it's just so beautiful. The piece Moonshot is inspired by a triptych, right, of this artist, Ankawara. And he's this conceptual artist, and if you um, aren't familiar, we'll definitely have on the show notes page at classicalbreakdown.org links or pictures to this art, which is so interesting because he works with dates. That's what he was mostly known for. He'd create a painting, and that painting would be a date with a black background, typically with these ones, and a white date on it, and they'd be painted on that date. And if it wasn't finished by that day, you know, it was that was it. He trashed it. Basically, yeah, he destroy it. So when you saw this piece by Ankawara, you were inspired to write um, something about this, especially being about space, because you will, in your family, you're self-described space nerds. We are space geeks, yes, yeah. self-proclaimed uh, space geeks. Yeah, I mean, the, the art, um, I mean, just, just being in that space, I actually saw that art previously in the Guggenheim a couple years ago. So it was kind of like a homecoming in a way uh, in seeing that art in that space. But also, you know, all of these intersections between visual art and the historical significance of that, of the Apollo 11 mission to the moon, and also, again, the space geek thing, it just became clear to me that I just had to write a piece about it. So was it kind of like over time this kind of brewed up that you wanted to write something for, or was it almost like you saw this and you really thought this has some impact. I, I really need to write something for this. Yeah, I remember being in the car home thinking this would be really, really cool. And I mean, specifically, I, I envisioned, you know, a, a work for strings. I, I kind of based this experience on a, a violin concerto that I wrote and then kind of took those ideas and also added some more some more material as well uh, to create a brand new work for, for string quartet, which I, I wrote specifically for the Abeo Quartet. I approached the team at Glenstone and and pitched to them if we could maybe do the premiere at at the museum so we can kind of bring kind of bring home the piece so to speak and and be able to create the connection between the music and the inspiration for that music. So they were receptive to the idea and and we actually just premiered the piece this weekend. So the artwork by Ankawara specifically here it's three paintings and it's three dates that are are shown you've got July 16 1969 July 20 1969 and then July 21st 1969 and how do these fit within the music 
Yeah, so the these dates are significant to the Apollo 11 uh, moon landing. And these are, again, as you mentioned, uh, Ankara created these works on those very days. So when you're in that space and knowing that, that these works were created during that time, kind of you, you feel frozen in a moment in time, so to speak. It almost feels like you're you know, you're looking at artifacts from those very days. And that kind of gave me a window into into looking more into the historical significance. And, and again, w- when I was in that space, I um, just conjured all of these photos and videos and stories that I've seen and heard uh, from that, from the mission. So I, I, with this piece, I wanted to structure it through those canvases. So the first movement is actually titled July 16th, 1969. And on that day, the Saturn V rocket launched into the sky. So the movement that I wrote is is just very fast and forward moving, very fiery. Um, and, you know, these guys just play so incredibly, um, just with so much excitement and so much energy. And then the second movement, July 20th, uh, is the day that man first stepped on the moon. Um, but I really wanted to start that movement with kind of capturing like the beauty of, of space travel in a way. And also, you know, the solitude, too. I mean, I, I just imagine the, you know, the lunar capsule just kind of orbiting the moon, um, you know, just trying to imagine what that would feel like. And also then all of that leading up to the, that moment of landing on the moon. And then finally, the third movement, July 21st, 1969, I really wanted to bring the piece or the scope of the piece back home, back to Earth. And really, kind of um, draw from an article news clipping that Ankara included with that specific canvas. It's a New Yorker magazine talk of the town, and it captures stories of people throughout New York City who are all tuning in to the moon landing and reflecting on what happened, uh, or how they felt, or, or where they were. And I just loved how that exemplified, you know, people from all backgrounds um, throughout the world, all tuning in, all celebrating, all reflecting together on such a milestone in, in American, if not human history. All right. So let's hear it. This is the Abeo Quartet performing Moonshot by Alistair Coleman.
Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from Alistair and from the Abeo Quartet more on this piece. Classical Breakdown is made possible by Classical WETA. Join us for the music anytime, day or night. To listen live, just go to our website, classicalweta.org, or download our app. It's free in the App Store. Congratulations, Alistair. It's it's an amazing piece, uh, Moonshot. You hear so much, of course, writing for space and that theme in music isn't new. But listening to this, it sounds like it's a different take, a different angle. It sounds fresh. It sounds different than what is kind of like the stereotype. And I just think it's just um, refreshing and fantastic. Oh, thanks, John. I appreciate it. I do have one question, though. Uh, in the final few minutes after this kind of, this kind of big, resolute kind of semi-ending and then it goes into what sounds like a hymn or like an anthem and knowing you that you're a singer you grew up here in Washington singing in um, one of the church choirs um, if that is something that you were trying to incorporate a hymn or an anthem towards the end yeah I mean with this third movement this was actually it was the most difficult to write and it was the most hastily written I think Um, but the central idea that I had for this movement was a chorale uh, because there's just something about the, at least my idea of what a chorale is. It's this idea of bringing people together in a way and all kind of singing, like the idea of homophonic music, all it's, it's one. You know, I'm just trying to think of, you know, this entire world all tuning in and all kind of, you know, together just experiencing something at the same time. I just thought of this idea, and it's also very reflective. Like when you think of chorales in in larger forms, uh, it usually is is representing something somewhat reflective. So that that movement is has its kind of exciting moments and very fast moments. Uh, but I think it, towards the beginning and towards the end, um, I really wanted to include that crowd, just kind of represent that idea of reflection and what people were thinking about during that time. Well, let's bring in the quartet now, the Abeo Quartet. We have on violin Ludwig Gudum and Ngioma Grievous, and on viola James Kang, and on cello Drew Cohn. You guys, that was absolutely amazing, that performance. Thank, Thank you. you Thank so you. much. What was it like putting this piece together? I think what's different from the other pieces that we played is that this time we actually uh, had the opportunity to work with the composer because we spent so much time in rehearsal really thinking about what the composer wanted and what he felt during the time of writing it. And it was really a privilege to have the composer of the piece in the room with us where he could explain explain that for us. That's always helpful. Yeah. Always helpful. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually wondering, did any of you see this artwork that was the inspiration for this? Have, did you guys actually see this before you even played this? Yeah, actually, I was here with Alistair. We went to the museum, I think, sometime in December uh, last last year. And I definitely I got a very good look at the work. And I just think it's amazing how he, you know, linked the visual art to this piece of music. And I really appreciated having that connection to people in the museum who are visual artists or who like going to museums with visual art because... Usually we don't really connect with those people, you know. So Ngioma saw it beforehand. What about you guys? All new for us. All new. Yeah. So maybe the first time you saw this was actually the other day, right before you 
premiered the work, seeing for the first、mm-hmm. time in person. Yes. What was your impression when you first saw it? I guess the the first thing that strikes you about the artwork is the scale and the the vastness of the room that it's in. There's a sense of magnitude that I haven't really experienced with other installations of visual art that I've ever experienced. And walking in there, you're surrounded by these these bold statements, and it kind of forces you into a a certain state of mind that I think is very Powerful and captivating in a way, and I—it was immediate、um, to me why Alistair would write something for this,、uh, feeling that feeling. And as Alistair is saying, you know, space—the space, you know, idea of travel and everything—it it really unites everyone into, you know, it's it's this amazing thing. It's the next, you know, whatever frontier for humanity, and. You know, when I was in school, they were winding down the、um, the space shuttle program, and I think for you guys there was no program at all. But now you see this big push, you know, with SpaceX and things like that. I'm wondering for you, coming where wherever you're coming from, what is this idea of, you know, going into space like? I'm sure it's very different than you know decades past. It's an interesting question. I have to think about that for a second. Does anybody want to go to space? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, space, I'm too scared. Space scares me. <laughs> I thought I wanted to be an astronaut, especially because, like, again, my family are total space geeks. And I actually went when I was, I must have been like five years old or six years old, and my family actually we drove down to Cape Canaveral and saw the space shuttle launch. It was, I think, it was an Endeavour,、um, and I I still remember it to this day. Like, just that, even though I was so young. Um, just being so incredibly far away from the launch pad, of course,、uh, and just seeing this teeny tiny little speck、um, in in the distance, but hearing those rocket boosters—I don't know what the technical term is—but it felt like it was right in front of your face,、oh, yeah. even though you were, I mean, at least like a mile or two away. Yeah, and what I think is really cool is、uh, in the first moment of Alistair's piece, even though I've never seen a space shuttle. Go into space. I can really picture that in my mind, and that's what I think is really incredible about about his writing. What was the most difficult part about putting this piece together? Do we have Do we have half an hour to talk about <laughs> <laughs> the Cliff Notes version <laughs> without getting into a fight? <laughs>、uh, there are many different complicated rhythms, but、um, those were fixed right away, I guess. But、um, yeah, there were things like. Different extended techniques that we had never seen before,、um, different markings that we had never been experienced with, and so it was so good to have him right there, so we could just ask him, and it was fixed right away. So not many things too difficult. And Alistair is not a string player, and there、oh, were some、yeah. some <laughs> some measures that were just <laughs> impossible to play. So、uh, we were also actually a part of the editing process. Which was pretty. I、cool. mean, that's the best part about working with. I mean, working with performers in general, but also performers who are like my age, and also you know, I, I'm really grateful to call my friends. That it's like you can have such an open dialogue when you're going back and forth with a new piece. And for me, like this process of working with this quartet, and also you know each individual player, has just been like one of the greatest experiences for me ever.、Um, just because. Of how brilliant they are, but also just how open and and how you know they're just there to to help in a way. So I'm just so so grateful to them for all their work on it. Yeah, James. Actually, I want to ask you a question about something you you just said. 
when you mentioned extended technique, you're referring to how there's things that are written to play on the violin that aren't standard. Yes. Mm. And so what are some of these extended techniques? What did Alistair make you do in some of this? One example is when we, um, uh, the viola and the cello have this marking that gets, uh, it's a bold line that gets thicker. Um, and it means that as it gets thicker, the sound has to be more distorted. And so you go close to the bridge and you make a nasty sound. It's not supposed to be pretty at all. And the bridge is that part, um, kind of the last place you can play on the instrument. Is that called ponticello? Yes, mm -hmm. so and, nearing a ponticello sound. Yes. And you get that kind of grinding, distorted sound. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the fun thing within the music. It's, it's beautiful in its own way. It's not this super ugly thing that is, you know, offensive. Actually, and I think, well, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think he did want to place that in, in the third movement, in the fast section, so that it would pop out um, and kind of throw off the rhythm, um, and it gets right back in um, to the theme of that fast movement. What were some of the most surprising things about putting this together? Um, mm. question. Well, how long did you have to work on this? <laughs> um, I think we, we had around two weeks, something yeah, like that. At most. Yeah. I, I, I sent the first two movements to them like in draft form over the summer, um, just even though uh, the quartet was not together because over the summer you guys are at different festivals and things like that. But the, the third movement I, I sent probably two weeks before the performance, I think. Am, wow. am I wrong? No. Uh, no. So. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't start working on it before. Two and they're all glaring at you. <laughs> we were, I mean, we were scared at first because, I mean, Alistair, he doesn't, he doesn't hold back. It's, it's a quite a difficult technically piece and to put together. So, two weeks before, it seemed like something uh, monumental, you know, kind of impossible to conquer. But um, every day we figured out more and more, and then something clicked, and the piece started to not only fit together um, technically, but we started to really feel an insight emotionally to which uh, parts he was trying to um, convey certain characters. And once that started being part of our process, the piece started speaking to us more, and we started liking it more, and then we worked on it harder, and it was just this snowball effect, and I think that's why it turned out so well. For me, one part of this piece that I think lots of us haven't experienced before, mostly because uh, we don't really improvise, or usually everything's written out and in time, is just the first part of the first movement, which is pretty spontaneous, I would say, which I guess kind of reminds me of like space, like it's kind of fantastical and magical, and you don't really, you know, things pop up when you look out the space shuttle, you know, out of nowhere. And I thought that that aspect of his piece was actually very surprising to me because, you know, we're not used to that and I think that we adapted to it very well and, and now this sort of call and then response or call and echo between first violin and the three strings is, I don't know, really become a part of us and it's super fun to play. I'd say that's one of my favorite parts of the piece at this mm -hmm. point. Was it pretty hard putting it together at first? Yeah. I don't think I was there for the first couple rehearsals. 
Uh, this first part? Yeah. We didn't even touch the yeah. first part. Yeah, we, we, yeah, oh. we were, oh, yeah. <laughs> we were scared. We, yes, um, had a rehearsal with you. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it was, um, like NGO was saying, how new the technique was. We were so baffled by, by it that we just, we just like, okay, let's do the part that um, we know that we can play, <laughs> and then let's ask him what this means. <laughs> but you just have to follow your heart. You have to, you have to follow, <laughs> like, follow the, follow the the like urge to play the next note like instinct yeah the instinct to mm. play the next note and so it sounds you know not artificial so it sounds natural and mm. i think we've i think we've come to a place where we feel it naturally and it's really nice but that's that's the beauty of working with a quartet like this is that they they're so in tune with each other that writing something that where where instinct is is so incredibly important and needed in in uh, just you know blatantly so to speak uh, that they can just still play so incredibly just together and in tune with one another and that that's been a really really fun thing to work with especially with this group of people. So. You've been in Washington for a few days performing basically nonstop. You're headed back to New York uh, soon. What's next for the Bayo Quartet? We're actually going to my home country in a couple of weeks. There's, um, and they call it the Absolute Haydn Festival, where all, uh, is it 68 Haydn Quartets will be performed oh, wow. um, over uh, 20, 20 something hours um, nonstop. Uh, so we'll be playing uh, seven, seven of the Haydn quartets uh, there, which we're excited about. And that'll be back in Norway. Yeah, that's a nice in, homecoming uh, for in, you. Yes, yeah, it'll be uh, so special for me to bring uh, three of my best friends uh, there and to be able to perform in my uh, in, in Oslo, my capital city. Well, Ludwig, Ingioma, James, Drew, thank you so much. You guys sound absolutely fantastic. And Alistair, congratulations on this brand new piece. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening to Classical Breakdown. For more information on the artwork that inspired this piece, Alistair Coleman, the Abeo Quartet, and more, visit the show notes page at classicalbreakdown.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review in your podcast app. I'm John Banther. Thanks for listening to Classical Breakdown from Classical WETA.